Boy, doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. And aren't you glad that we're a part of a church that it's always the right thing to do when you need prayer to get prayer? Isn't that great? Isn't that great that we're not so rigid with a schedule that we have to let people hurt or go on suffering? We can express that by getting prayer from one another. Amen. We're the body of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I said, isn't it good to be part of the body of Christ? Amen. Turn in your Bible today, James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. James 1, 22 through 25. Uh, this is from the New King James Version. This is extremely important for us to hear. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately he forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I want to speak to you on the subject, God's Facebook. God's Facebook. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you to touch us now. Open the eyes of our understanding. Let us, Lord, be not forgetful hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. 2003, Harvard University had been talking for a year or so about getting a digital directory uh, of, their, of their students and of their photographs. They actually only had a paper copy uh, of, of uh, available to their students of a pictorial directory, you know, like we have a lot of times in churches. They all, that's all that they offered. They've been discussing for a couple of years, we need to put that online. They called that uh, little booklet that had all of those students at Harvard's picture and information in it, they called that the Facebook because it had their pictures. One of their students there, uh, Mark, said, uh, Everyone's been talking about a universal Facebook within Harvard. I think it's kind of silly that it'd take a university a couple of years to get around to it. I can do it better than they can, and I can do it in a week. So in January 2004, Mark Zuckerberg coded a new website and called it the Facebook. It is clear that the technology needed to create a centralized website is readily available and the benefits are many, he said. So he and another student each invested $1,000 and launched in February 2004 the Facebook. Today, Facebook has 2.7 billion active monthly users. That's a whole lot of people, amen. How many of you use Facebook at all? Anybody? Lift your hand. 
Now listen, I will tell you, I think it would do good to have a series uh, on the ethical use of Facebook within churches. <laughs> I heard Ben talking about that in Sunday school at the part, uh, imparting his wisdom. I'm surprised sometimes with what people put on Facebook. I'm particularly surprised when people utilize it as a private diary or journey or journal and don't realize that everybody in the world's reading that. And it especially bothers me when people get into squabbles on Facebook and they say, uh, this person knows who they are. <laughs> right? I'm surprised sometimes at the things that Christians post or repost on Facebook. But nonetheless, just like the telephone and the television and radio and, and uh, even the written word, Things can be used for good and for evil. And isn't it amazing that when we were right in the midst of all of this pandemic, how many churches were able to get on Facebook and stay in contact with their people and get the message out to people that would never attend their church. Now, while we had some growing pains in that, more than one service was broadcasted sideways <laughs> as people were videoing but the word of God was going on. Well, listen, did you know that God has a Facebook? It's called the word of God. Because here's what the Bible says. And by the way, yes, I do want to make friends today. <laughs> and I want you to like this sermon, okay? But here's what the word of God says in a contemporary English version. James 1, through 25. Obey God's message. Don't fool yourselves by just listening to it. If you hear the message don't and don't obey it, you are like people who stare at themselves in a mirror and forget what they look like as soon as they leave. When you get into this book, you see yourself. This is a face book. You see your face in this book. But as you, as you must never stop looking at the perfect law that sets you free, God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey and don't just hear and forget. So I'm talking about four things. If we're using the little word face as an acronym. Four, four things we need to do when we look at God's Facebook. We need to focus. We need to accept. We need to continue. And we need to execute in the sense of doing. First of all, we need to focus on God's word. Again, verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. God's word is a mirror to us. We see ourselves when we read God's word. Now in the tabernacle, when they were out in the wilderness, God told Moses to build a tabernacle and one of the things that he told him to build was right after they go into uh, you know, the linen fence that surrounds the tent of meeting and they go to the brazen altar where their sacrifices are made. He then told them to build a laver. We don't know how big the laver was. The Bible doesn't give the dimensions of the laver, but we do know how it was made. The women, as they came up out of Egypt, the, the women had little uh, polished copper mirrors. They didn't have the ability to have 
to, to create glass back then. So they were not glass members, uh, uh, mirrors, but they were uh, highly polished copper. And they gave those and the workmen, uh, craftsmen took those and molded those into a big, something like uh, if anybody ever saw uh, what you boil cane in or scald pigs in, one of those big kettles. That's kind of what it was. It was concave, and it was made out of those polished mirrors. And so when it was filled with water, it actually served as a, an abil a, the ability for you to see your reflection. So when these priests would sacrifice uh, the lambs on the altar, uh, it was a dirty job. They'd get blood on themselves. They'd get soot on themselves. Uh, as you can imagine, it was a dirty job. And then before they went into the holy place, they could turn around and there at the labor, labor they could look in to that labor and see themselves. And then there was water right there for them to cleanse themselves. We call this in theology sanctification. And when we look into the word of God, the Bible says we are made clean by the washing of the water by the word. So they would look in and see that. And when we look into the word of God, we see our reflection. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says what God has said isn't only alive and active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls, through our joints and marrow, until it discovers the desires and the thoughts of our heart. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have to tell him the truth. When we look into God's word, we see the truth about ourselves. We see our reflection. We see our face in God's Facebook. And I wonder sometimes why we would rather spend more time looking on Facebook to check in on others than looking in God's Facebook to check up on ourselves. We would rather see how others are doing than see how we are doing. So of course we're resistant, the flesh is resistant to getting into God's Word because we don't want to know the truth about ourselves. We have carefully constructed uh, realities that we want others to believe and then we start to believe them ourselves. I've known people, uh, for instance, that uh, have never been married, but they would cohabitate with people and they called, they called them my, my husband or he called her my wife. Now they'd never been before a preacher, never been before a judge, never had a license, never got married, never made a covenant with themselves and God. But they say, well, it doesn't matter. This, we don't need some piece of paper to tell us what we are. That's my husband. In fact, the whole family gets in on the game. The mother of the guy that the, her daughter's shocking with says, well, that's my son-in-law. How about this? She's my daughter in love. Instead of daughter in law, she's my daughter in love. It's a game that the whole world likes to play because we look into God's word and we see like we are, but then we leave that and we forget what we're really like and we play a game and we pretend that we're something that we're not. So the, our flesh is resistant to getting into the word of God because when we get into the word of God, it cuts us to the quick and we see too much what we're really like. This is God's Facebook. 
So we have to focus on God's word and then we have to accept what it says. James 1.24, for he who observes himself and goes away, he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, if you've been on Facebook any, you've probably seen, uh, seen these memes. Uh, and these are memes. These, I don't know if they're memes, memes, memes. I don't know if it's a GIF, a GIF. I don't know what they are, but I think it's memes. Isn't that what it's called? And you see these memes that says, what you think you look like. Anybody ever see that? And what you really look like? When you got a cowboy hat on, you think you look like Brad Pitt, but you really, really look like Walter Brennan. That's what you really look like. How about this? When you grow a mustache, uh, where is Aaron? When you grow a mustache, you think you look like Tom Selleck, <laughs> but you really look, who is that, Eddie the Eagle? I don't know, but that's what you really look like. What we think we're like and what we're really like is two different things, but the mirror don't lie. Right? And so the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. If we just hear God's word and we don't try to apply God's word, we deceive ourselves into thinking that things are better than they are. Now, I don't know what happened the other day but my shower didn't get quite as hot as it usually does. And the mirror didn't fog up. And I caught in the mirror a reflection of this section. And I've gained a little weight. And I said, I've got to do something about that. So I've started taking hotter showers. The mirror does not lie, and the mirror of God's word does not lie. But our minds deceive us. The reflection's true, but our mind perverts it. In the journal Perception, an Italian psychologist, Giovanni Caputi, said this. He, he, he did a test with 50 people that he set each one of them in front of a mirror 15 inches away, put a small uh, light, about a 25-watt bulb behind them, and had them stare into a mirror for, fit, for uh, 10 minutes. And after a minute of them staring at their own reflection in the mirror, after less than a minute, the observer began, all 50 of them, began to see a change coming in what he called a strange face illusion. At the end of 10 minutes, 66% of them said that they had seen huge deformations, uh, deformations in their face. 18% said they actually started seeing one of their parents' face looking back to them in the mirror. Uh, another 28% said they saw an unknown person looking at them. Some saw an old woman or a child. Some even saw, 18% saw an animal face like a cat or a pig or a lion. 48% of them said they saw fantastic or monstrous beings. And he says the reason is, is that for some reason we're built that our mind wants to find faces. Our mind looks for faces and so that's why we see faces in the clouds or in trees or why we uh, even, sometimes you can have two dots or three dots in a line and you, your mind looks for a face. 
So people actually, as they were looking in this experiment, they actually experienced dissociative identity effect. That is, they got the sense that even though they were looking at their own reflection, somebody else was looking back at them in the mirror. Well, I get that every morning. I get up thinking I'm going to look at a 30-year-old and I see a 50-year-old. It surprises me. I'm disappointed every morning. But there's something about us in our flesh that even though we look into God's Word, we leave there and the image changes and we forget what kind of person we really are. So we have to focus and we have to accept but then we have to continue in what we learn. We've got to do something about it. We've got to put feet on it. We've got to continue in what we learn. James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. My granddaddy, J.T. Peavy, he got up one morning and looked in the mirror and he saw on one of his earlobes, he saw a little speck, a little spot a little injury, and he didn't do anything about it. And the next morning, he got up and he saw it again. And a week later, he still saw it. And it was bigger, and he didn't do anything about it. And three weeks later, it was still there. A month later, two months later, every day, he looked into the mirror, and he saw this spot on his ear, his lobe that was growing and growing and growing. And so he put a little salve on it. Put a little Band-Aid on it. But by the time he finally got something done about it, it was too late to save his earlobe. They had to cut off the entire earlobe because it was a cancer that had been growing. And I can't tell you how many times Christians look into God's Facebook, look at their image in the Word of God, and they they experience when they hear the Word of God taught, when they hear the Word of God preached, when they hear it sung, when they do their devotion. They experience it. They feel conviction. They realize that there's a little spot in my life. But then they leave and ignore it and refuse to do anything about it. And they don't continue in what they felt. They shake that off. And before they know it, the cancer's gotten out of control. You've got to continue in what you learn. Now look. It is so very easy to see what's wrong in the world. You don't have to be smart. You don't even have to be spiritual to look at the world and see the things that are wrong in the world. But it's kind of like that old 80s song that was popular when I was a teenager. I'm looking and I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. If you want to know what's wrong with the church, go home and look in the mirror. If you want to know what's wrong with your marriage, go home and look in the mirror. If you want to know what's wrong with our town, go home and look in the mirror. If you want to know what's wrong with the United States, go home and look in the mirror. You can't, listen, all the time I, I, I counsel with couples that are having marital issues and I always tell them individually the same thing. Everything you're telling me about your wife, everything you're telling me about your husband may be absolutely true 
They may be absolutely wrong, but you and I cannot do anything to affect them. We cannot and you cannot make them change. So if this is going to work, you've got to control the things you can control and make the changes that you can make. Sure, we can talk about what everybody else needs to do, but we got to start with the man in the mirror. we got to continue in it. And then we've got to execute what we've learned. Not just continue in it, but do it. Pull the trigger, do it. Make the change, do it. He who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be pleased in what he, blessed in what he does. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to agree with it. It's not enough to be moved by it. It's not enough to be challenged by it. It's not enough to be excited by it. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to hear and obey. Bill Gaither wrote a song. He said, I'm happy to hear you've been reading the Word and spending time to study and learn. I'm glad for all the hours you've spent on your knees instead of wondering just what, which way you should turn. You tell me meditation is what the world needs. I reckon what you're saying is true. I was glad when I heard you're getting into the Word, but is the Word getting into you? Now don't get me wrong, I'm not putting you down. I'm glad for every chapter you've read. But reading and doing are two different things because the Word without the Spirit is dead. Has it made you more loving to your wife and your kids, honest and straight through and through? And has your attitude changed since you've been in the Word? Is the Word getting in to you? Not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the Word. Now here's the interesting thing, the Bible's multifunctional. The Bible's not only a mirror in which we see our own reflection, it is also a lens through which we see the Lord. We see not only ourselves, we see God in that mirror. This blew me away when I first saw it. I don't know what it was about it that, that did that. But it is, anybody seen these commercials on television where somebody's working out in front of the mirror and then there is actually a fitness coach that appears in the mirror. Have you seen that? The fitness coach is actually in the mirror as you're looking in the mirror and he's coaching you on. I want you to know that the coach, our spiritual fitness coach, the Holy Ghost of God is in the mirror of God's word. When you look into that mirror, you not only learn, listen, it would not benefit us much if we saw ourselves in the mirror of God's Word and that was it. It would not benefit us a whole lot if we even had the will to make the changes needed because we're powerless to do that. But thank God Jesus said that spirit, that comforter that I will send you, he will be your guide and your teacher and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. The word of God also provides the power to make the changes. Psalm 119, 135, the writer said, Lord, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Lord, when you see that, make your face shine, it's a euphemism for Lord, smile on me. Smile at me and teach me your statutes. When you 
are in the Word of God, it makes God smile. In fact, Deuteronomy 5, 4 says, the Lord talked with you face to face. This is what uh, Moses is saying to the children of Israel. The Lord talked to you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. God spoke with the children of Israel and it was as if he was talking to them face to face. Now, I, I don't have an Apple phone. I don't have a MacBook, mainly because I find Apple users to be extremely obnoxious. So if you are one, I'm sorry, but I, it just irritates me when everybody says, I can't believe you're using Samsung. I use Apple. I've got the iPhone. It's so much better. Well, I got $600 in my pocket that you don't have, so we're even, okay? But Apple has something called FaceTime. And when you are in God's Word, you are having FaceTime with God. You're experiencing fellowship with God in and through His Word. And that time that we spend with God changes us. Listen, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right now, you and I cannot see the manifested glory of God. Even those that experience the manifested glory of God, he was shrouded in a cloud called the Shekinah. Mankind could not bear in our flesh to view God in the fullness of his glory. We, we, would, we would melt away. We would uh, dissipate to nothing. We could not in, uh, stand to look on that. In fact, that's what the Lord said in Exodus 33 and 20. Moses said, I want to see you. I want to see your face. He said, you can't see my face. No man can see me and live. But what God did is he put Moses in the cleft of a rock and as God passed by, he put his hand over Moses and shielded him from his own glory. And when Moses walked by, or God walked by and lifted his hand, Moses saw, uh, the, the King James says, the hinder parts of God. A lot of people believe that means the residual of God's glory. The trail that God, like a comet leaves a tail behind it, the residual of God's glory. God, Moses was only able to look at where God had been and that glory where God had been was such a glory that it caused Moses' face to shine. Moses' face reflected the glory of God. It was too bright for the children of Israel to look at Moses' face. And he had only seen where God had been. We can't behold God's full glory, we wouldn't be able to. But in the word of God, we see God's reflected glory. That's what we see in the word of God. That's what it says, listen to what it says now. We are looking in a mirror, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and when we look at that, we are transformed into that that we're looking at. The Word of God transforms us. The best that we've got 
is the reflected glory of God, but even the reflected glory of God is so powerful that it challenges us and it changes us. In the Bible days, I told you, they, the mirrors that they had were not glass, they were polished bronze, polished copper. And you only got just a kind of a sense of what you were looking at. Second, or 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 says that. For now we see in a mirror, dimly. Because of our humanity, we don't have a full understanding. All the glory, can you imagine the glory that we see in, this, in the dim mirror of our understanding of God and how the impact of that reflected glory, as dim as it may be in our understanding at times, challenges us and changes us and transforms us. And so we're looking into a mirror and we're only catching a glimpse. But then he says, but then one day, <laughs> in that great by and by, one day, on that great getting up morning, one day when the resurrection morning and all the dead in Christ shall rise, one day we're gonna see him face to face. Right now, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not very smart, that's not a place for an amen, but I have been around a lot of smart people. And I'm not that smart, but I have learned enough to know that I don't know a whole lot. Right? And I'm going to tell you that that's pretty smart when you get to the place that you know you don't know it all. Right now, I'll tell you, I only know in part. I only understand in part. But praise God, one day, face to face, I'll know him and he'll know me. And thank God, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, it does not yet appear. All that, when I look into God's word, I see my status. I see where I'm at. I see what's going on with me. I see the things that he wants to change in me. But the Bible tells me one day when I see him face to face, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this, when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We're gonna be transformed into the image of our dear Lord. So what do we do to these things? Well, I hope that you respond to God's post. I hope that you accept his friend request. God is saying, I've given you my word. This is how you can know me. This is how you can know you. This is how you can be transformed. This is what's going to make the change in your life. Do you ever get on Facebook and you get mad about some of the things you see on there? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you when I get into here, these are the things that transform me. That, yes, challenge me. But boy, wouldn't that be cruel if all that the Word of God did was challenge me? You know there are people that way. There are people that don't want anything to do with God's Word because they 
all they feel is challenged. And they say, I can't ever live up to that. But thank God this has the power not just to challenge, but to change. To transform me from glory unto glory. Would you stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to look into your Facebook. God, we're living in a day, and thank God for praise. Lord, it was so refreshing this morning as we sung your praises and lifted up our hands to you. Lord, that, that's, uh, that's your protocol. That's the celebration we have together. But we're living in a day for, where for many Christians, that has replaced God's Word. Praise as wonderful as it is, Lord, it will not change us the way your Word will. God, we thank God for fellowship that we have with, with one another. How wonderful that just this morning as needs were being poured out in this altar and people that loved, surrounded, and prayed for those others. How wonderful it is, God, to have that fellowship with each other. But that doesn't change us. But your word, when it is heard and it is believed, and it is acted upon. Your word changes us. Now, Lord, your word says, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Your word says, no one that comes to me by faith will I cast out. It says, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Your word says that just as earthly fathers will give bread and fish and eggs to their offspring, that the God the Father will not deny giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your word is full of many great and precious promises that are ours by birthright as a child of God. Lord, help us not to just hear your word, but do your word. In Jesus' name, amen.